morning, everybody. It's good to be with you this morning. My name is Tom. I'm one of the pastors here at Mountain Christian Church. It's exciting to be together to worship the Lord together on this, uh, this fine morning. I want to say a big hello also to the campuses over at Edgewood and Bel Air. Uh, it's great to be together, one church in three locations. I have a question for you all. I need to know if, if uh, I have some good news and some bad news. I need to know if you're a good news first or a bad news first person. So let me take a vote. How many of you like to hear the good news first? Raise your hand. Not very many. How many of you like to hear the bad news first? Wow. And some of you didn't raise your hand, which I can only assume means you don't care about the news whatsoever. <laughs> I'm not so sure. But well, anyway, so, so I'm a bad news first kind of guy. I suppose because when you hear the good news after that, it kind of re- you know, lifts you back up, I suppose. Um, so the bad news is the, the year 2016 is already two-thirds in the books. Two-thirds gone. Eight months have already passed in this year. The good news, however, is there's still 112 shopping days until Christmas. <laughs> so you may want to take out your device, get on Amazon.com, you know what I'm saying? Do some ordering, make sure that happens because the days are, are passing by rather quickly. Not to mention other good news, football's back. Yeah, good news. <laughs> cooler weather, therefore, you know, you want to watch football in cooler weather. Pumpkin spice lattes. Anybody, anybody got one in here? Is there any in the room? There's one over here. Okay. Pass it down the aisle, sir. Uh, so if you like that kind of thing, I don't know, but it's, it's, it's amazing. Time just has, it seems to go past us uh, real quickly. So today we want to talk about really one simple thing, and that's the touch that God wants to bring to us. He wants to touch us right where we are. He wants to bring healing and wholeness and hope in our lives through simply touching us today. That's what we want to Look back on the year 2016 and say, you know, a lot of tough things have happened. So we need God's touch today to kind of bring a sense of hope and direction for us. You know, racial divides are widening. Political divides are getting deeper. Safety and security issues are heightening. And you know, we're in the, we're in the Labor Day weekend, so it kind of feels that's the unofficial, they say, the unofficial ending of summer. Kind of the bookend on the back end of the summer months. and We're getting kind of back to our normal schedules after vacations and kids are getting back into school. And I tell you, we're sending our kids into a school. We, we want and need them to be touched by God because they're going into a, their, their, their lunchrooms and their halls and the athletic fields with all these kinds of pressures that we're talking about today. And we need them to have a touch from God so that they can express that touch to the students around them. And you and I need that because we're getting back to our normal schedules and back into our offices and all these places that, that we go and where we recreate and in our neighborhoods. Everybody's kind of getting back into that routine. So now more than ever, we need God to touch us so that touch can be expressed through us to the people around us. It's been a hard and tiring year, hasn't it? I mean, I don't have to tell you that. We've experienced it in a lot of ways. We're going to look at a few of those things even now just to kind of remember where, God, where, where we've been this year. You know, they say that time flies when you're having fun. Well, I do think time is flying, but I don't know how fun the year 2016 has been. It's been a, a kind of a hard year. And it just seems like it's time for us to, just today even, to crawl up in God's lap, to feel his embrace, to experience his touch, to let God bring that healing, hopeful, healthy, touch to our lives. You know, we, we do. We live in a high-tech, low-touch world. We're all of the gadgets that we have that, we're, that make our lives better or seemingly so. 
sometimes we've, we've, we've gained those things at the expense of touch, of the, of the personal sense of being together, having the conversation, just this healthy touch from the people around us. In some ways, we've increasingly lost the value of touch and what that all can mean for us. So that's what we want to talk about today. We often find ourselves really out of touch with each other and God. But remember, touch heals. Touch reassures. It restores us. And today we're going to take some cues from Jesus. Because everywhere he went, he touched people and he wanted to be touched by people. Jesus responded with hands that reached in all directions to heal, to bless, and to restore. To remind them of the wholeness that we can have in God. A touch that brings forgiveness and hope. And those hands, Jesus' hands, are still reaching out to us today, reaching out to the people around us. So let's, let's consider that today as we look at the word touch, how Jesus wants to touch us, and then how we can express that to the people around us. You know, even from this stage this year, we've dealt with a lot of, of tough issues that maybe have been kind of weighed on us and, and give us a heavy feeling. At the beginning of the year, we talked about God for the rest of us, a lot about the, the addiction and dysfunction and brokenness in our society. Things that are all around us, where we live and, and, and where we recreate and in our neighborhoods. And then we brought it a little more close to home, to, to individual, the brokenness and, and the dysfunction that we find individually and in our families at times, under our own roofs. Things that can be quite heavy for us. We follow Jesus uphill at, the, at, the, at, the, at Easter. And just those few weeks beforehand where we, we struggled with Jesus and all the things that he experienced on our behalf. You know, we know the end of the story, we know what happens, and we know of the, the burial and the resurrection. It doesn't necessarily make that, that walk uphill any easier for us. And then Bob Goff came, and, and full of all that energy that he had, and just told us that we need to get out and love people around us, even the, or especially those that creep us out. That can be hard, can it? It's, it's easy to say from here, but then go out and do it, it can be a very hard thing. So 2016 has been a difficult year that way. We've also been talking about Under Our Skin, and by the way, uh, you saw Ben Watson in the video, there's still books available on your way out. Stop at the resource table there. We have books for sale. Make sure to grab one and read that. And certainly there's a lot of pain, deception, and disappointment under our skin. But today we want to let the healer, whose name is Jesus, bring a healing and hopeful touch to the cuts and the scrapes and the bruises of life that are visible to everyone around us. Those things that we bear on our skin, not just under our skin. We've also had a lot of things happen in our world. You can hardly turn on the news anymore without seeing things that have, have just kind of rock us to our core. So I just want to mention some of these because I want us to remember in the feeling of the first two-thirds of this year the kinds of things that have happened that perhaps whether we know it or not have weighed us down and, 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 and developed all the more the need for Jesus to touch us. So, for example, in February, even right here in this room, we had the viewing and funeral for some of uh, Hartford County's own sheriff, deputy sheriffs that were here. That happened in February. In March, there were terrorist bombings in Belgium and Pakistan. In June, there were terrorist attacks in Florida and Turkey. In July, there were terrorist attacks in, in three places, in Bangladesh, Baghdad, and France. In July, the flooding in Ellicott City, close to home, and wildfires out west. In August, the, the rains came through Louisiana, and the flooding in Louisiana, and loss of life and loss of property. Earthquakes in both Italy and Myanmar. In the U.S., a number of police shootings and riots. Civil wars and refugee crises still fester all over the world. Still issues that we're dealing with here. What to do? 
how to handle that, how to respond. So I don't share this as a litany to, boy, just to kind of heap more weight on us, but just to remember the, the things that have happened in the first two-thirds of this year. And how do we want to then live out the, the last third of 2016? And to do that well, we have to be touched by Jesus. Today we feel strongly that you and I simply need that touch, a healing for our individual souls, that through a touch from Jesus, that's where we'll receive it. James 4.8 says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. That's what we want to do today. So let's slow down. Oftentimes I think we don't feel the touch from the Lord because we're so busy running through life. Slow down, sit back in your seat, feel the presence of the Lord today. Take a deep breath and rest in him right now. He desires to touch every one of us with that calming and reassuring touch that will bring healing, and really that will remind us that he is still in charge. He is still on the throne, even with everything that's happening around us. You know, we want to walk out of here shortly with a stride in our step, with wind in our sails, with that kind of levity that Jesus wants to give us. As he says, you give me all your burdens. You give me all the heavy stuff. I'll take care of that. Jesus himself said, my, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So if you're feeling way down, my friends, you're carrying the wrong burdens. It behooves us to give it over to Jesus. Many of you know that uh, my wife and I and my, our one, about one and a half year old son in 1995, we moved to, mission, uh, to Brazil as missionaries. We learned to speak Portuguese. That's the language they speak down in Brazil. And uh, for us to, to be able to function well and to serve well as missionaries there, we needed to learn Portuguese. So since we had a one-and-a-half-year-old son, we, we uh, hired a nanny, and she was able to take care of him while we went to language school, and, and we did our activities, Amy and I. So our son, actually, he learned Portuguese a lot quicker than, than my wife and I. We were kind of that old dog, new tricks thing, you know. Here's this young pup learning Portuguese, and often uh, I'd use him as a translator. I'd say, hey, son, come on over here. And what's, what's he saying? Uh, so I had my little living uh, translation dictionary right there with me. Well, often Tyler, even as, as a one-and-a-half, two-year-old, he would come to myself or to my wife, and he'd, he'd raise his hands up to us, you know, as a little kid, and he'd say, Kolu, Kolu, Kolu. And I, I assumed he was asking if he could color. Sound like, you know, color. And I'd say, son, you know, I don't, we don't have your crayons. We don't have your coloring books here with us. You know, and this isn't the right place. We're at the zoo or at the grocery store. It's just not the right place. That happened a number of times, various places. It was the three of us, my son to my wife, Kolu, Kolu. And we kept saying, son, you know, we'd kind of calm him down and say, we don't have your crayons. We can't, we can't, this isn't the right time or place to color. But one day we were at a, at a gathering and, and some of my friends that spoke English uh, were, were there and, and they saw the same thing. My son came and he said, Kolu, Kolu. And I told him no again, and it wasn't the right time, or we didn't have his, his materials there to, to color. And my friend came over, and he said, uh, do you know what your son's asking you? And I said, well, you know, he's done it a number of times. We, just, we think, you know, he's two years old, so he's learning how to talk anyway, but we think he's asking if he can, if he can color. And my, <laughs> my Brazilian friend had a little agitation in his voice. He said, no, 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 no. He's, he's asking for you to pick him up and hold him. To, to make it to that secure place. And, and literally the word kolu means lap. So to sit in one's lap or to kind of feel that embrace, the touch from a mother or a father. That's the Portuguese word. And I tell you, my wife and I felt absolutely terrible. 
all these times my son was asking to be held by us, and we kept, for all he knew, we didn't care for him because we kept saying, no, no, no. So we grabbed our kid, I tell you, both of us, and cried and hugged him like there was no tomorrow. I never forgot the word, by the way, colu. Now you know a Portuguese word, colu, C-O-L-O means lap. You know, maybe at times we, 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 like God, you know, we think God's speaking another language to us, and we don't entirely understand that he's reaching out to touch us. And we misinterpret that as something else, perhaps, or assume he doesn't really understand what I'm going through or my circumstances. And God's extending, saying, come, be embraced by me, feel my healing touch. We can be assured, however, that Jesus knows everything that we experience. And in him we have one who understands everything that we struggle with. Because he has been through it and more. Hebrews 4.15 says, We do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses. But we have one who has been tempted in every way just as we are. Yet he did not sin. So I wonder if sometimes maybe we're treating God like he's speaking a foreign language. We don't seem to understand the lengths at which he's willing to go to receive us into his healing touch and healing embrace. I think that's the, the huge draw to the Michelangelo painting from the early 1500s, the, the creation of Adam. And I love how Michelangelo depicts God reaching with all that he has, that extension that is reaching as far as he can, drawing near because Adam is drawing near. He's straining and extending with all of his might so that he can join together with his creation. And it's, it's the same desire that God has with us today. John Ortberg wrote in his little book, God is Closer Than You Think, about this painting, a sentiment from this painting. This is what he says. God is still in the business of coming down to earth. Coming down to this cubicle, to this email, to this room, this house, this job, this hospital room. This car, this bed, this vacation, any place can become the Bethel, the house of God, because of God's desire to touch us. And I might even add and, and pray that today is that same place. This is a place right here through what we've done so far, what we're doing right now, that God will come and he'll touch us as we rest in him. Let's consider for just a second that kind of the science of touch. Why is it so important, this, this tactile thing that God has enabled us to do as one of our senses? Does anybody know in here what the largest organ of your body is? You all paid attention in biology class, I guess. But really the better answer is epidermis. And let me tell you all, you've got some, some marvelous looking epidermis out there. Uh, I'm not sure what the plural of epidermis is, if it's epidermises or epidermi, but um, I'll, I'll check that out. But, you know, the average weight of an adult epidermis or skin is about 24 pounds if we were to, 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 to shuck off this shell. It touches the most acute of our five senses, about five million receptors that we have that God's put in our skin in order to experience the world around us. One of the medical journals I read says this, touch not only enhances growth and weight gain in children, but also leads to emotional, physical and cognitive improvements in adults. Touch itself appears to stimulate our bodies to react in very specific ways. The right kind of touch can lower blood pressure, heart rate, and cortisol levels, and stipul stimulate the hippocampus, which is an area of the brain that is central to memory. And it also drives the release of a host of hormones that have been linked to positive and uplifting emotions. 
The article ends by saying the physical effects of touch are far-reaching. So using that as a metaphor, God's desire to be far-reaching to us and to extend his hand to us and to say, enter into my embrace, are enormous. So what might be the effects then of a place where there, where there isn't touch? And you might think, could there be such a place where touch was perhaps even outlawed? Where touch was, 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 it was, it was devoid in a certain society? Well, there is such a place, unfortunately. I know lots of studies have been done about this kind of thing. But in this particular article called The Power of Touch by Maria Kornikova, she speaks of just such places in the country of Romania. She says that when Nicolae Ceausescu came to power in the 1960s, Romania saw a proliferation of these what they call cradles. These were known as, as institutional homes. Ceausescu wanted the population of Romania to grow because if they were going to be a, a force of an industrial nation, they needed to have a large workforce. Therefore, the order was put out to have a lot of kids. Well, that created a strain and a stress that families could not take care of these kids. So Ceausescu opened up these enormous institutions and said, you can't care for the kids, let us do it. He put them in institutions. The result was one of the saddest natural experiments in modern psychology. Thousands of children from birth to the age of 13 grew up neglected in understaffed institutions, often experiencing sensory, severe sensory deprivation in their formative months. The muteness, blank facial expressions, social withdrawal, and bizarre stereotypic movements of these infants were common to all of these children. God called our own uh, Andy and Jerry Baker to ministry there in Romania into these awful conditions about 20 years ago. They just celebrated their 20th year anniversary. This is what Andy Baker says about their time there. He says, invited to go and work with the orphans in Romania, what we thought we might find is not what we found at all. We walked into a room of about 150 square feet with 100 children sitting on benches, rocking back and forth sitting in their own messes. Some rooms had children tied to their beds or the problematic kids were put in cages because there was no one to care for them. Other rooms had cribs with children in them and their bottles were literally tied to the crib with a string so as not to touch the children when they were to be fed. And he says, I took one of the children in my arms and held him and I locked eyes with him and all I saw was sadness and hopelessness. As if the child was saying to me, why now? Where have you been? Shortly thereafter, Andy says, a worker stormed into the room and ordered him, put that child down. You're giving him hope. That's the power of touch, church. The humanity, the hope, and the healing that it brings. Now, a lot of you know, we're, this, again this year, we're helping with the, with the Remember the Children by collecting sh- uh, shoeboxes. A lot of information you can get. By the way, it's outside. Go out the front doors on the sidewalk to the right. You can pick up one of these boxes. You can pick up a pamphlet that looks just like this. And why do we do this? Is it just to give fun and cool gifts to these kids? Well, I think the bigger reason is touch. You and I can touch the children of Romania that have, have, have things are better, but according to Andy, they continue to be just terrible circumstances in Romania. We can help reach out and touch the kids of Romania. So my, my challenge to you all is, is take the rest of the boxes that are there. All of us all. Let's, let's get those boxes and get them filled up. Bring them back here. 
get them over to Romania. And if you want to go, all the information's in here. In December, you can get on a plane and go over there, and you can help play with these kids. You can roll on the floor with these kids. You can touch these kids. Bring about that humanity and that healing and the hope that comes through touch. So grab some boxes on your way out. So what if we really could literally crawl up into God's lap? What would that, what would that look like or feel like? What would God say to us if we could literally crawl up into his lap? He would pick us up because we're before him saying, Kolu, Kolu, to our Father. He picks us up and he locks eyes with us. What does he see? Does he see hopelessness and despair? So here's some verses that I think should touch us to our core that remind us. And these are the kinds of things that God would say to us. I think he'd start by saying, you are God's child. You are Christ's friend. You have been redeemed and forgiven. You are free forever from condemnation. You can't be separated from the love of God. Your life is hidden with Christ in God. You are a citizen of heaven. You are God's temple. You are God's workmanship. You are more than a conqueror through Christ. You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. This is how God touches you and me, through his word. It's who he declares us to be. It's not so much about who I am or who you are. It's about whose we are. To whom do we belong? Well, we belong to God. And these are the words, the touch of God that he brings us today to say, remember whose you are. When Jesus walked the earth, he was all about sharing his healing touch with those around him. So it, it, let, me, let me just share a few things right initially, and then later we're going to come back and see how Jesus touched these people. So first there was the disciple known as Doubting Thomas, one of Jesus' disciples. There was a woman who had been bleeding for 12 years, the body of a deceased young man being carried in a casket on his way to the cemetery. Peter walking on the water. All somehow received a touch from Jesus. But I think perhaps the worst of all were the lepers. They were the rejected and ostracized people that were made to live in leper colonies, out away from normal society, cloistered together in a faraway place. They were known as the untouchables. No one would even want to come close to a leper. In fact, when they were approaching anybody, they were made to say, unclean, unclean, so as to warn the passers-by that there was somebody coming with leprosy. Well, we could talk a lot about the nature of leprosy and all the ramifications of it, particularly in Jesus' day. I simply want to expand it to a metaphor for all of the ailments and the doubts and the fears and the challenges, the battles that you and I face continually, but maybe particularly in this year 2016. All of us face these things regularly. And I tell you, like leprosy, they can eat away at us. They can consume us if we don't turn them over to Jesus. So I suppose that's the question today is will we allow Jesus to touch us where the need is the greatest so that we can continue to live as more than conquerors so we can walk out those doors shortly knowing that Jesus is in control. I want us to take a look at this clip from the movie Risen. The scene is of a leper who was, he snuck into a village to steal some food for his next meal. Watch what happens in the clip. Watch what Jesus does as the scene unfolds in front of him. And put yourself in the leper's shoes. Put yourself in the leper's cloak and let Jesus do for you today what he does for this leper. Watch this. Oh! 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 Oh!
He's going to do it. Do what? He's going to heal that man. How? Watch. Just watch. No one touches me. A miracle. We saw them many times, Roman. said the leper nobody touches me a distant ostracized life but then I love at the end how he looks at his hand he holds his hand out and he sees it and I can only imagine him thinking to himself well I have a new lease on life no longer do I have to live as an outcast I can only imagine how many people that man went on to touch as he went home back into society Freed from all the shackles of, of, of the leprosy. And for us, from all the, all the worries and the doubt and the concern and the fear that we might have that serve as a leprosy to eat us up. Turn it over to Jesus. When Jesus touches us, things change. So for Thomas, he touched the scars in Jesus' hand inside. And he believed, no longer having doubt. The woman was healed from 12 years of bleeding simply by touching the cloak of Jesus. The deceased young man in the casket was being carried to the cemetery to be put in the ground. Jesus touches him and brings him back to life and back to his mother. Peter was saved from drowning as Jesus extended his hand and lifted him up out of the water, put him back in the boat, and restored him. Many blind and deaf and mute and paralytics throughout the New Testament come and, and touch Jesus or are touched by him and are healed. You know, as long as we receive the touch, the healing touch from Jesus, maybe we too can live with the bumps and the bruises and the scars on our skin. In the end, maybe you're saying, you know, I, I get all that, Tom, but it's just there's too many things. There's too many scars. There's too many bruises. There's too many blemishes. Nobody would want to touch me like the leper thought. But Jesus will. And like the leper, he'll bring that restoration. And I've read that bruised and scarred and scabbed apples are actually healthier and more flavorful because they have more antioxidants and more sugars. Because they have, interestingly enough, they have fought off stressors and natural uh, things that have happened where they've fallen and have been bruised. They're hardier for it. I don't see any rotten apples in the crowd here. So let Jesus come and bring that healing touch for us. When Jesus, in fact, rose from the grave, he still had the scars. And maybe that was his way of saying to us, you know, you can still live with those scars as long as you let me come and, and touch you and heal you and restore you. And give you a life that is sweet and healthy and abundant through my touch, Jesus says. So that's our prayer today. Touch us, Lord Jesus. Let's pray. God, thank you for the opportunity to be here. 
Thank you for loving us to the degree where you extend, like the painting reminds us, you extend your hand and say, I want to touch my creation. So here we are, Father, your church, ready and willing to receive your touch so that we can walk out of this place with a stride in our step and wind in our sails, more than conquerors in Christ Jesus, that whatever might come, even in the, second, or the, the, the last third of this year, uh, we, will, we will go out and we will share this touch with those around us because we have been healed and touched ourselves. So make it so today, Father, in the name of Jesus.